What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Nick Baruka with the Underdog Training Podcast, Episode 3. Today is Wednesday, May 31st, 2017. The, uh, the podcast is a little later than I wanted it to be because I wanted to record it on Monday. Uh, but, of course, this past Monday was Memorial Day, so I hope everyone had a wonderful Memorial Day and Memorial Day weekend. I sure did. Spent a lot of time with my family, as I'm sure you all did. Um, did a little camping. So I, my cousin lives up in Conchahokan. Um, which is right outside of Philly, and he lives kind of like in the woods pretty much, right? So uh, every, but the past three years, he's held this Memorial Day camp out. So a bunch of us go over, we camp out in his backyard, which is, believe it or not, a lot of fun. Uh, there was like 10 or 12 of us that stayed over this past weekend, and, uh, you know, a lot of cornhole, a lot of quates. I'm sure you, none of you know I have any idea what quates is unless you're from my area. Um and, you know, stuff like that, wiffle ball and everything like that. So it was a nice little family weekend. Uh, and then since it was kind of shitty out on Monday, we uh, had a little camp, uh, not a camp, but a cookout at my house uh, with my family on Sunday. It was a beautiful day on Sunday. It's a beautiful day today, 75, 80 degrees and sunny, just how I like it. Um, I'm a big warm weather guy. Winter is not my friend. So, uh, you know, I'm glad it is finally starting to get warmer. It's been weird. It's the last couple of days, it's been like rainy and windy. Cold, not a fan. So uh, finally, hopefully, this warm weather stays around. You know, take a couple trips to the beach. That's nice where where I live. There's a lot of local beaches. Well, not local, but like maybe half an hour, 45 minutes away tops. But I'm a big Wildwood guy. Um, so I go down to Wildwood every year with my family, uh, my home mom's family, all my cousins and stuff like that on that side. Uh, we've been doing that since I was a kid. So it's a lot of fun. Um, plus, if you know Max Pizza, they are uh, my dad's cousins. We're the ones that created it. So, you know, got to give a shout out to them because they have some of the best pizza in the world. I'm a little biased, but you know, that's okay. Um, anyway, today's podcast is about, I actually got a question from a friend of mine. It was a really good question. And he said, um, he wanted to know what the difference was between being an athlete and being a, a coach. I said, you know what, man, that's a great question because there's so many different facets to that. Um, and I have a unique perspective where, I mean, it's not so unique. I'm sure a lot of strength coaches uh and sport coaches in general obviously have played the sports that they coach. Otherwise, it wouldn't really make much sense, right? So, uh, you know, I used to play a whole bunch of sports, as I've said before. Um, and I coached football for a number of years. Funny thing about that, though, is I never played football. So I had to actually learn how to coach it. Um, and a lot of that was I had to learn on the fly. Uh, I just took bits and pieces of all the coaches that were around me because I was around a lot of great coaches. And, you know, I obviously did a lot of research on my own about how to coach the certain positions that I was uh, responsible for, which kind of I kind of took on myself. Um, but I did a lot of research, and I learned a lot of things about how to coach the certain positions. And uh, it's interesting because as a, as a strength coach, you see, you know, you analyze the movements more so, obviously, of athletes than you think about it when you're, when you're playing the sport. So I'm sitting there now as a strength coach, and I'm analyzing how these athletes need to move and, you know, the differences in their takeoffs, their top speeds, the way their bodies are positioned in certain kinds of settings and everything like that, and how to react to, uh, to an opponent and everything like that. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into it as a coach that, uh, as an athlete, you don't think about. And um, one of the biggest things I think is there's different levels of pressure uh, depending on the the athlete versus the coach, because as an athlete, you know, obviously you want to succeed and you want to, you want to try and be the best that you can. And a lot of times, um, especially now with so many 
young kids uh, being on these travel teams and, uh, you know, U8, whatever they are, kind of teams as, you know, middle school and high school kids, I think it's a lot different because they didn't have that much when I was growing up. Um, they obviously existed, but it wasn't to the level that it is now. Um, when I was growing up, it was mostly club teams and, uh, like, your local your local township teams. Now those are starting to fade away because so many kids are doing travel. And it's kind of a shame because you don't see the the enthusiasm as much anymore in the local town sports. I mean, everyone used to come out to, uh, to my town's baseball games and stuff like that. And now there's so few teams that no one really goes as much as they used to. Um, the competition level isn't as high as it used to be. Um, and even that, that, that feeds into the high school sports in some, some aspects, too. Um, and with the travel teams, you know, they really only care about getting your money. Um, and I don't care if a lot of people get mad at me for saying that, but I think it's true. You know, um, people are paying all this money um, just, to, just to be on a sports team, and that's all these organizations really care about because they're just going to take your money, and they don't care if, you're good, if your kid's good enough to play or not. They're just going to take it. And uh, because of that, these parents are, are bleeding money into these travel teams. And it's putting so much pressure on these kids because a lot of them play that sport year-round. And uh, that's one of the worst things you could possibly do to a kid is have them play the same sport year-round. Um, there's this level of early specialization now that I don't think used to exist. And, and the problem with that is and uh, every single strength coach that at least has any idea of what they're talking about will tell you that early specialization in youth sports is uh, one of the worst things you could do for a kid because a lot of reasons they'll get burnt out. They're not going to want to play anymore as they get older and get into high school. Um, they're going to have injuries that they shouldn't be having at young ages like, uh, you know, youth Tommy John surgery and Little League elbow and stuff like that. Um, that never existed before when I was growing up because everyone played a lot of sports and everyone was doing stuff outside. You know, if they weren't playing a sport in a particular season, we were at least being active and, and learning how to use our bodies in different ways, climbing trees. I mean, I wasn't really climbing trees, but uh, you know, <laughs> we were doing you know backyard games and just stuff like that, and kids don't do that anymore as much as they used to. Um, so there's no off-season for these kids. And it could be good in a way if you're playing multiple sports. You know, you at least want to have at least two or three sports you play in a, in a year um, because that way you're getting exposed to different things and you're not getting sheltered into one sport. So that way you can pick and choose what you want to play, you know, and, and you can get to high school and say, you know what, uh, I'm going to play, you know, football and baseball this year. And then as you get older, you get into college, you get to choose, you know, what sports you want to play. But this specialization early on is a problem because of the injuries, because of the burnout and everything like that that goes into it. It's just pressure and nonstop. And the body gets worn down after a while. You just can't handle it anymore. Even though, you know, kids can handle a lot more than they, you think they can, it does get to a point where they just get tired. And, you know, traveling all over the place and playing these tournaments every week, your body's just like, what are you doing? You know, it's just, it's not, it's not smart. And for some reason, the parents of these kids nowadays just don't care. They want their kids to be superstars. Everyone's going to be, you know, the next LeBron James. Um, and that may be. But if you're not giving them the chance to rest and recover and, and properly play the sport when they're supposed to be and train when they're supposed to be training for that sport and not just you know continually doing the same thing over and over again it's, it's not good and I can see it even in some of the kids that I train that are specializing you know they, they come into me and they the kid you know shoulder injuries uh at 12 years old tightness 
in his wrists and his elbows at 12 years old. It's not a good thing, folks. And um, we need to realize that if you look at the if you look at the research, the research shows that when we have multi-sport athletes as youths or uh, high school athletes, it shows that they have a better chance of competing in college or professional. Now, everyone knows the chances of being a professional are very slim, but uh, you don't want to tell that to a kid because the parents don't want to hear that. However, almost every single professional athlete that you see was at some point a multi-sport athlete in their athletic career. The research shows that. I'm not just making that up. I'm not just saying it to, to sound like I know what I'm talking about. That's what the research shows. And as somebody that trains youth athletes year-round, you know, some of the kids, like I said, don't have off-seasons, but that could be because they're playing multiple sports. And in that way, you transition the, the training as such that they may be coming off their, you know, let's say right now baseball or the cross season. So you give them a, a week or two in between football season to kind of prep their bodies for what they're about to have. So now I'm in a uh, prep mode for my football guys. I have a lot of middle school guys and high school guys that are in prep mode for football because camp is right around the corner. Can't wait. I'm a huge football guy. So, you know, the guys that were coming off of lacrosse, I geared it the workouts down for a week. We took the intensity down. And then now we're slowly starting to pick it back up. And, uh, you know, the, the arrangement of the exercises, it also changes because now we have to go into a more of a strength power phase and work on that explosiveness and get the conditioning up. Not so much yet because they're going to get plenty of conditioning once their football camps roll around, right? So we just want to develop that power and develop that core strength that they can maintain throughout the season if they have a strength coach that knows what they're doing uh, and continues to, continues to lift them in season, which everyone should be doing. You should always be lifting in season because what happens is if you don't lift in season, all the work you put in on the off season is going to go to shit, right? It's going to go to shit and uh, you're going to get weaker. And the that's the exact opposite of what we want. We want our kids to get stronger as the season goes on. The research also shows that and people are starting to get that more as opposed to that old school. We're not going to lift during the season because it's going to get us slower. It's going to get us, you know, weaker and everything like that. It's the exact opposite. If you get stronger in season, you're going to be strongest at the hopefully postseason where you're competing for the championship and you're at your strongest and you're in your most best physical shape. That's what you want to see. There's also different facets to being an athlete versus being a coach when it comes to patience, man. Let me tell you, let me tell you right now, it's, it's hard sometimes, you know, coaching youth athletes because to me, things that I've done are so easy. You seem, it seems like common sense as a coach to tell a kid to do a certain thing and you're like, I don't understand why they're not getting it because it seems easy as a coach. You've done it a thousand times. So to you, it's like, this is not as hard as you think it is. But to a young kid, they have so much going on and their brain's trying to process a thousand different things, right? So it's a different kind of patience because as an athlete, you need to realize that it's a slow process, okay? That it's not going to be an immediate success. So you have to be committed to your training and your sport so that you can slowly get better over time. It's not going to happen overnight. And also people think that, think they're going to, you know, train and immediately become a superstar again. And it doesn't work that way. It's a very, very slow process. Um, you know, it's like a slow cooker. You roast the meat nice and slowly until nice and ripe, and then we're ready to go, right? You know, so that patience as an athlete can be frustrating because if you're struggling with something and the next guy is excelling at it, it's extremely frustrating because you're going to have those superstars that get it right away. But those are few and far between. And I would rather work with somebody that 
doesn't get it right away because then you can see their progression a lot more than a guy that's, that's putting up all the weight and excelling at every single exercise and kind of just rolling through the motions, right? But you have to be patient and understand that everyone's built differently. Everyone works at a different rate. Everyone processes things at a different rate. And it's just – it's a kind of patience where – as a coach, like I said, you want them, you want them to get it, um, and sometimes you want them to get it faster than they're able to, and that's where the patience as a coach comes in, because it's just it's one of those things where you have to not flip out on a kid, <laughs> and uh, I used to do that a lot. I used to get so impatient where I'm like, "Come on, man! Like, it's so simple. I don't understand what you're struggling with," but. If you do that to somebody and you don't know them well enough, they could shell up and they could just completely shut down and not do anything that you want them to do. So you also have to know your athletes. You have to know their personalities and say, like, let's go, man. You know, there are certain kids you can do that with and certain kids you have to not do that with and you have to take it a lot slower. You have to be patient with them because you know at the end of the day, once they do finally get it, it is the most rewarding thing in the world as a coach and as an athlete, I see it in the kids' faces. Once they finally figure out like a, a ladder drill or some kind of movement pattern or a bench, you know, they hit a PR that they never thought they would hit before, it is so gratifying. I had a kid a couple weeks ago, a uh, sophomore. He, uh, he was trap bar deadlift and we were testing because I had to figure out where their maxes are for the, for the new, uh, you know, phase of training that we're in, right? So we're testing it now. I don't usually do one rep maxes, but... Sometimes I let the kids kind of do their own thing and say, you know what, you're feeling good today? Let's go for a one rep. So the last time this kid maxed, he only hit, I think it was about 115. And now that was maybe uh, two or three months ago. So not a very long period of time, right? But he showed up a couple weeks ago, ready to go. And now he also hates deadlifting. So that's another challenge you have to overcome is certain kids don't like certain exercises. But of course, he's going to do it anyway. And he knows he's going to do it anyway, right? So he's got the weight on. He throws up uh, 185 with ease, and I was like, okay, okay. And he doesn't even realize how much weight it is. We're just going for it, right? And uh, I said, you know what? Put on 245s on the bar. Again, he doesn't ask me how much weight it is. I said, you're going to do that. I said, you're going to do it right now. And he's like, I don't know. I said, no. Get your mind right. You're going to get this weight up. And he did. And think about that. That's going from 115 to 225 in a couple months. And the funny thing is, we hadn't even deadlifted within that frame of time. You know, we're doing other supplementary exercises that help the deadlift. We were not even doing it. And, uh, you know, he put the weight up and he said, Coach, how much weight was that? I said, Chris, that was 225, man. He looked at me like, whoa, you know. And uh, I, could see, I could see the wheels turning in his head and I could see the smile coming on his face. And I obviously was so hyped up and everybody else around him was so hyped up because everybody knows that's a big deal. When you can hit two plates on something, no matter what it is, man, it is, it is such a gratifying feeling. And uh, to go and hit that kind of a PR, and he's not the biggest kid in the world, right, but he's a powerhouse. And he's also slowly coming out of his shell, and he's talking more, and he's being more outgoing. And those are the things that are the most important, man. So, like, I was patient with him, and I said, Chris, man, you got this. And, uh, and he got it, and... It's the best feeling, and I'm, I'm honestly getting a little choked up right now thinking about it because I love that kind of stuff, and that's what makes the job uh, so rewarding. I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but still, um, you know, so be patient and understand that they're going to get it. It just takes time. You know, don't expect them to, to right away pick it up, and even for me, like, 
there are certain things that are that I struggle with, obviously, and I, I have to walk through ladder drills because I can't demo them at full speed, obviously, with my CP, right? So I have to be like, this is frustrating to have to teach because I get embarrassed sometimes that I can't uh, do it at the same level as the athletes that I coach. So that's my personal patience of relaxing and taking your time. And uh, it's just it's just awesome, man. I don't, yeah, somebody just pulled up. He's going to walk in on me recording my podcast. Oh, that's Big Kev. Oh, somebody else showed up because uh, I'm at work right now recording this. But, um, you know, and as much as you want things to get done right away, there's so much pressure on a kid that it's almost like we don't allow them to be kids anymore. You know, um, kids nowadays growing up, they don't even ha- they don't even have uh, the same life that I used to have, at least. Um, now it's just so focused on sports and other things. Or you have the other side of the spectrum where it's the kids that are inside all the time playing video games and all that kind of stuff. But honestly, it's like these kids that are athletes, they don't have they don't have summer sometimes because they're always playing tournaments. They're going this place, that place, doing something else, and they don't even get to live their childhood the way that it's supposed to be lived and just enjoying time away from sports. That's something that we need. Um, they shouldn't be playing a sport every single time of the year. You know, you need that downtime to kind of decompress and relax and get your mind right. That, that's the biggest thing, man, is the mind goes starts to go after a while. And if, if your mind is not where it needs to be, then you're not going to perform at the optimal level that you need to. And with these young kids and even high school kids, man, they're playing all the time, and it just gets burnt out, and you start going crazy because you can't enjoy yourself. And it feels like it's it starts to be a burden uh, playing these sports. And that's the last thing you want because when it gets to that point, then – there's no point to play a sport that you don't enjoy, you know? And the biggest thing for me as a strength coach, and, um, and I'll probably say this every single episode of my podcast at some point, I'm sure, um, and to take a, take a line from Gary Schofield, he said, coaching is connecting, and that is 100% the truth. Caring about your athletes is the biggest thing in the world because once they see that, then everything's going to change. And as a youth strength coach, as a high school strength coach, that is what coaching is really about. All the sets and the reps and the weight is secondary. Um, and sometimes to me, it doesn't even matter. A lot of the times, it doesn't really matter. What matters to me is seeing, like I talked about earlier, a kid go through character changes, go through you know personality changes in a good way where they're coming out of their shells. They're starting to you know discover themselves more and be more open um, and just be more comfortable about who they are. And... When you see the transformations like that, that's the real kind of coaching. That's the that's the essence of coaching or the art of coaching, like we used to say. Um, you know, and as an athlete, you care in a different kind of way. You care about your teammates and you care about wanting to be the best that you can be. But when you start to coach, it's a it's almost like the athletes you coach become part of your family. Um, and I truly believe that, especially the the people I've been around and the the guys I've coached. They, they are my family, and I, I would do anything in the world for them. No matter who it is, um, you know, you walk into my door, and I'm immediately going to care about you. Your, your success is important to me. Their lives are important to me. And, and creating good quality people is what is the most important thing as a strength coach. Um, you know, especially when you get into the sport aspect of it because you spend a lot of time with those kids as a strength coach. The sport coaches, a lot of times, either if it's a school setting, don't work in the school full-time. Um, and they're only around during the sports season, so you don't get to see them. If you have a full-time strength coach, you're seeing that person all the time. Um, even as a part-time guy at a private facility right now, 
I see my kids, most of them, two days a week. And it's only, you know, when you break it down, it's only for two hours, two and a half hours. But those two and a half hours for those kids, a lot of times, is the time for them to escape from everything else. And time for them to talk to me about what's going on in their day, no matter what it is. I'm always going to listen. You know, it could be the stupidest thing uh, to me, but to them it could be extremely important. And um, it could be something small, but it could be something big. And you never know what's going on. And I just let them talk. And sometimes we don't even put the music on. You know, they tell me that. They say, Coach, uh, can we have no music today so we can just talk to each other during the lift? I said, absolutely. You know, I have no problem with that. Um, I think it's a, it's a big deal for kids to want to come here and to let loose and kind of just get all their stresses out, all their anxieties out. And that's, that's what the beauty of it is, man. It, especially with young kids. They got so much going on in their heads that you don't even know what's going on. Um, and you can't even try and fathom. And especially with school and everything else, you know, it's just, it's just a constant stimulus, a constant battle uh, within themselves and trying to figure out what to do and what kind of decisions to make. And they come in here and they talk to me about what's going on. And I just, you know, sometimes I just listen. Um, you know, we'll crack some jokes here and there. A lot of times the kids I have, they'll start dancing and stuff like that. And people look at that sometimes and say, you know, that's a really weird approach to coaching. I think a lot of old school coaches may not agree with that, but you have to meet the kids on a level that they can communicate with you with and they can relate to you. And that's why, you know, there's a time to have fun, but the kids I have, they work hard. So it's a really delicate balance. And I think, I, you know, we do a pretty good job of it. You have to balance the fun and the hard work because if it's always just constantly banging the kids and expecting these things out of them, and sometimes they just need to have fun. And, you know, I think that's important. Um, I want them to be able to come in here and, and enjoy themselves and not just think it's a burden and something they have to do. I want it to be something that they want to do so that that way they continually come back and they keep making progress because that's what is important. You don't want to lose a kid from being too hard on them. You want them to enjoy themselves and, and be comfortable with you and, uh, you know, with where they're at. So that's just a few of my pointers. I hope um, that answered the question pretty well. I hope it came across pretty well to you guys. Um, I know this podcast is late. But uh, like I said, there was a lot of stuff going on this week, and I didn't get a chance to do it. So I appreciate everybody for listening. Thank you so much. And I hope everybody has a great weekend. And I will talk to you guys next week. Make sure you share the podcast. Again, it's on SoundCloud right now, but I'm hoping to get it on iTunes soon. Um, Follow me on Instagram, nmaruka49. And like my Facebook and all that other kinds of stuff. If you want to contact me, my email is nmaruka49 at gmail.com. I will put all that in the description box so you don't have to worry about trying to, you know, write it down and everything else like that. So any questions you have that you want me to answer on here or I can answer privately, feel free to ask. Uh, Again, have a great day. See you guys later.